From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. For 200 years. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside HBC Sports Live with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, back uh, the boys. Back <laughs> in the house, back in the business, traditional way, sitting at home. Man, before I get in this introduction, let me say what's going on. I'm just going to call you by your first name today, man. I'm so excited. Charles, how are you doing? Doing well, Doc. I mean, semester's over. I feel refreshed. Uh, you look refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> you took off a little weight, man. You yeah, look, man. So you got mental weight off you? You got some mental weight? Off? Yeah, in the gym every day. Man, I'm, I'm trying to Ooh, get Well, you get got this, time to get, get right. It must be nice. <laughs> What's going on, Mike? Oh, I'm all good. I'm I'm on the road again, but but I'm in the house. I, uh, I'm i not completely relieved. I think I got a couple of late papers I got to give you. <laughs> no. Yeah, I need my paper, man. I need my paper, man. Can I get my paper for the grades going? Go ahead, yeah, you know so saying? other than that, I'm doing good, Doc, CB. No yep, doubt. Yep. Man, it just, it just doesn't stop. As Lonnie Shaw says, another bad shoot. I'm heartbroken and sad, and um, I think there's no more appropriate way to make the acknowledgement of what Lonnie Shaw said. Uh, it just At this point, you had lost words. It's just utterly ridiculous in regards to the incompetence of folks that refuse. Uh, and that's what it is. You just refuse to do anything about it. With that, let's get into this business of sports. Welcome to episode 265 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast the show that's covering the sporting HBCU diaspora, all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to the Case Wave 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, multi-Hall of Famer, I should say, in beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Shout out to Ralph Cooper, always getting it done. With that being said, before we get into some of this written news, I got some news off the wire. It's hot. 
unofficial, obviously. And I've been told from a consultant seat that I can't let the cat out the bag, but I can give you some dips. I'll say it this. It looks like Morgan State has gotten it right. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I think they've gotten it right. And I'll let everybody else kind of sit on that, see what they think about it. We'll go from there. Mm. Let me go straight to you, Charles. What's some news of the day? What's hot on your mind before we get into this swag baseball tournament? Sure thing. Well, let's take a look at it. And this is huge news uh, that came today. Dwayne Ross uh, is leaving the North Carolina AT track uh, for Tennessee. Uh, so when you take a look at what he's done, the most successful era of uh, in track and field history in North Carolina AT uh, has uh, finally reached the crossroads with Dwayne Ross leaving going to the University of Tennessee. The announcement was made today. Uh, he's accepted a five-year contract and runs through 2027. So you talk about North Carolina A&T track. Uh, it was a return to glory, a return to the yesteryear of uh, HBCU track and North Carolina A&T uh, just completely dominated when you take a look at what they were able to do over the past uh, four or five years, uh, definitely under Dwayne Ross's tenure. Yeah, that is significant and big news. I thought you were maybe going to go with a little more positive news before you dropped the bombshell on he couldn't get it out. Um, I I was like the you know I guess the colonial couldn't save him in regards to the step up. I guess it wasn't enough to mm. hold off Dwayne Ross. Um, and then you gotta imagine that his son, if not going pro, is he going to transfer with him with the transfer portal? And then mm. how many of those um, athletes will seek to transfer with him too? Uh, which uh, not only in terms of losing the coach, but losing some of the star athletes to really kind of devastate what's going on in that area. So, yeah, that's one to keep your eyes on. Hopefully they can finish strong. Obviously they have the real devastating news from the women's side that yeah. they had to forfeit um, the championship. This is right after um, they were so close to getting on the men's side so was denied in terms of uh, what happened in total points. Uh, and then they have to give up the women's outdoor championship because a an eligible uh, track athlete uh, that uh, was deemed ineligible, so they lost that championship. So maybe they hopefully they can find a way to you know have a strong finish in terms of the regionals and then the nationals for those that qualify, um, and see if they can go out in style, particularly for Ross and and those anti Aggies. Uh, in terms of what they've been able to do and really provide a resurgence and an excitement for HBCU fans out there, specifically in terms of track and field. So great point that you make there. Uh, Mike, what do you have on your plate? What's intriguing you in terms of HBCU sports at this time? Well, I know you probably covered it before, um, but, you know, Colin Kaepernick, you know, was an honorary graduate with Morgan State. So I, what I caught through some of the social messaging and was his message of, you know, barriers, which I thought was very important. So, you know, he was one of three honorary graduates for Morgan State. You know, he was like, as I was sifting through Morgan State's archives in preparation for these remarks, one thing that kind of came to him was Morgan State's uh, Trans, transcendent belief in the power of service to others. And it been cons it's been consistent with his message all along. So I thought that was important. He couldn't attend it uh, for other reasons, but um, I, 
honored that he got his degree, honorary degree from Morgan State. Um, you know, he's still a free agent, has not been in the NFL since then. He's been a social justice a- an activist, you know, for the last five or six years. So I'm, I'm honored that he actually chose or was chosen by an HBCU to get an honorary degree. And he had such a positive message. So that that's kind of my news of the day, at least initially. Yeah, with him being a professional athlete, certainly ties into that HBCU sports culture that we talk about. And there were three dignitaries that uh, were awarded in terms of the work um, that represents, um, you know, as you talked about activism in various ways. One of them included alum, two alumnus were recognized. One of them, particularly, you may wrinkle, uh, remember, as I'm mixing all these metaphors and words up, is the jingle jangle jang. Uh, obviously had a chance to watch that with Deuce the last two years. So that was fascinating to kind of see um, the representation that he was able to put in that incredible Christmas story, obviously. So shout out uh, to those that were awarded, including uh, Kaepernick, that were obviously officially announced there. Before we go back to you, Charles, see what else is on your mind uh, as you looking so steadfast there. Chuck Hunt, Sherman Miller. Lonnie Shaw, as we talked about, Thomas Edison, Matt, Maddox, Mary Allen checking in from Miami. Miami, man. How the beaches down there in Miami? Are you going to the basketball game this week? Are you, are you doing a work schedule? What's going on? What's got you in Miami, Mary? Arvid Parker says, good evening, listeners. Thaddeus Reed, JSU in the house. I want to shout out so we talk about JSU, you know, it's amazing I find HBCU folks all over the place. I was at the Black Student Athlete Summit. Y'all have seen me there previous years. I uh, did presentations on HBCU research, brought in uh, now the commissioner at the time, he's the VP of athletics at Texas Southern University, brought in now Dr. Kevin Granger, VP currently of athletics at Texas Southern University. The executive director, John Grant, brought him in to speak uh, in regards to different issues facing uh, black student athletes or college athletes, as I like to say. So pretty fascinating in terms of that young man came up there. Well, I guess um, young man, I say that respectfully, but you know, colleague, if you would, came up and say, Dr. Bill, yes. he said, man, I love the show. Watch the pregame. I watch, I'm a JSU. I watched it all. You know, I, say, <laughs> I said, I understand B, I love. Uh, so he wanted to make sure to get a shout out. He said, man, keep doing what y'all doing. Appreciate you. So that was great acknowledgement. And as I was leaving out there, I seen another JSU uh, Rice individual over there. But he had on his license plate, Texas license plate, JSU. Make sure everybody knows. He made everything <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. <laughs> man, man, man they, they coming out the woodworks in Texas. <laughs> Where they been in past years? I just want to know where these ASU people been in past years. Man, they, they all over the place. I'm not hating. <laughs> Let me shout out. I'll, I'll, all I'm talking about is what I'm talking about. Noel <laughs> Price, good evening, Dean and professors. No doubt about it. Good evening, professor, said Chad Cooper. Uh, who else we got? Juan C. Hill. Hey, Doc. Saw Charles at the PVTSU baseball game. Yes, yes. And we'll get in a little more of the SWAC tournament baseball talk. Thaddeus Reed says prayers to all the senseless violence 
Great point there. G. Boom Holly. It's so strange that minority shooter gets killed, but the white shooter in Buffalo comes out alive. Yeah. We've seen yeah. strange things. I wish funny, fun, funny how that works out. Yeah. Actually, it's not that funny, but it sure does work out that way. Yeah, Chuck it does Hunt, work out that way. Which says he wishes Coach Ross the best, no doubt about it. Certainly did and elevated HBC track and field back in the limelight. LaShant Herrick, who is going to the baseball tournament. I'll be there. Charles, you still planning to make it down to the baseball tournament? Oh, well, that's a game plan. That's a that's game plan. Looking at over there. Yeah, yeah. Got to get you over there. John Jenkins, JSU. I see you. Craig Behan. Edwin Dwight Morris. Good evening, Dean and the professors. Who else we got in here? Uh, looks like PVM will win another Commissioner's Cup as they lead with only baseball points left. That's true. Looking yeah. at good standings. Yeah, we said that after that track and field outdoor sweep that uh, they put themselves in a really solid position yeah. uh, in terms of what took place, especially in terms of how the folks that are uh, behind Prairie View didn't uh, place high enough in the finish to really uh, put those points on there. Kevin Harrison. What else we got? Karen Griffin, reading from Southern California. Carol Kellum in the house, checking us out. Appreciate y'all. Michael Knox. Great group today, and uh, let's get back into it. Charles, what else is on your mind? Well, definitely got to send shout-outs, kudos to the Coppin State Eagles as they are the winners of the MEAC Baseball Tournament. Great comeback victory for Coppin State. Uh, this mm -hmm. is their second baseball title and first since 1995. First since 1995? It's been like that? Yeah, that was huge, huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one, especially in the style that they did it. Uh, coming into the tournament, um, really representing in a lot of ways. So that was big time in terms of that. They were the second seed, defeated Delaware State, became in as first seed, um, looking good, but Coppin State got it done. It'd be interesting to see there, like, uh, top six, top five in the Black College Nine poll, large division. So it'll be interesting to see where they move after the championship. Obviously, you have some other teams moving around that we can talk a little more in detail. It'll be fascinating to see what that looks like as we come through this tournament. Uh, with that, let me give you a quick minute, Mike, and get your last thoughts of what else you have on your mind that's hot out there that you wanted to say something to. Shout out to Chris White as well. Roommate, roommate Chris White. Former roommate. Go ahead, Mike. All right. So we talked about track and field. We can't, we can't forget that HBCUs will be uh, represented in the Division II Outdoor Track and Field Championships as well. So, um, you know, you know, two school, Johnson C. Smith, Lincoln, Missouri. Uh, they have a lot of relay teams that have qualified. Lincoln, Missouri had the most selections of any school, accounting for 19 of the HBCU athletes that qualified, 10 men, nine women, four of the five relays, and of all the uh, the athletes selected, Ruben Nichols is the only one who uh, has the best qualifying of their respective posting of forty six point one five in the forty four hundred meters. Now you know, I back in the day I used to run, you know, maybe a forty <laughs> forty five in the four hundred. So it's not bad. Hey, you on you on public TV, man? You, <laughs> you gonna put that out there like that? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm really. It's your But no, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, we talk about D1. Let's talk about the D2 schools that are representing as well in the uh, outdoor championships. So, 
with that, uh, we'll get a quick break. And after this break, we'll come back. Karen has a good one. Um, wants to know, what are your thoughts? What are the lab's thoughts on Coach Ruffin's comments on Tuskegee's Division One aspiration? That's a good one. We'll get into that and get into a little bit about how the season ended and some of the seedings, and then we'll propel even deeper in terms of particular matchups. But let's take this first break as we get into the baseball tournament. We're just scratching off. It's the third inning. As things are just getting up, they mowed down, up and down the strike zone. These hitters, pitches are looking strong. We'll see if we come back and see if we can get some hits in this game. This is Dr. Bill inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after this break. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. One bite of 100% Angus Beef Ballpark Frank, and you'll say... Hello, Summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place, a space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www. But if they want, keep half. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention, cause he gon' teach us. This is Dr. Will with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with. Mike and Charles, the professors and the dean are in the building. Let's get into it since we're talking about some of that academic framework coming out of this Black Student Athlete Summit. Uh, great presentations by a lot of folks there. Like, again, let me shout them out for the work uh, going in. Um, extremely big. Morehouse folks were in the house. Um, Prairie View obviously was in the house. Texas Southern in the house. Folks are uh, presenting some good research. Um, and you had obviously a lot of the other universities doing what they do. But with that being said, I wanted to talk about Coach Ruffin, who's also serving as the athletic director. That makes it a little different. This is not just coach speak. This is also an athletic director in terms of the ability to navigate this space. He came out with some quotes, uh, courtesy of HBCU Game Day and some others, where he was uh, talking about the fact, one, about the comments with Nick Saban, we don't necessarily have to rehash that. We did that uh, the last show, but you're welcome if there's anything, updates that you wanted 
that you've seen or heard that you wanted to kind of tie back and make sure you put a, a final bow on that. But in his framework of his frustration and concerns, however you want to say it in terms of what Nick Saban said, he talked about, one, that the FCS should be playing Alabama. This reminds me of the Grambling and Southern component of not playing LSU, and they had played all the other FCS schools in there. Uh, in the state. And while Auburn has played, Alabama has not. So some questions about playing FCS. And you're like, hey, that's intriguing. But, you know, what does it really have to do with Tuskegee? They're Division Two. Well, you know, you think about Division One FCS is Alabama A&M and Alabama State. Then all of a sudden, he puts one in there and kind of slides it in there. That, that don't, <laughs> don't get it twisted. He yeah. makes sure you understand that he didn't just say it. He said, don't get it twisted. He said, yes, that is the plan for Tuskegee, uh, that he uh, plans uh, to put things together uh, for Tuskegee to move from Division Two out of the SIAC, where their current home is, um, to Division One at the FCS level. That Obviously, he could play him. He also got into some basketball talk, a little bit of his play, but he wanted to make sure they understood that they need to continue or make sure they put him on the schedule more often. So financially, the Alabama HBCUs can take advantage of the SEC uh, financial windfalls in terms of those matchups. So that's fascinating. And y'all have heard my thoughts in terms of those preferred money games. It's a whole different thing. We're not really there yet. But what are your overall thoughts in just – Tuskegee in terms of Division One, You know, over the last 10 years, it's kind of quieted down some, but for a while, especially when they were really strong in terms of defeating Alabama State, it seemed quite a bit for Turkey Day. That's since stopped. Um, and they had certainly a program that was playing when they did play FCS, um, getting victories, whether it's like Jackson State to name one over oh, yeah. a period of time. Um, not so much against Alabama A&M, but they did get some in there. But um, – they were able to get it done in some ways. Not so much over the last 10 years. Makes sense. That's why you make a coaching change in some way. Uh, they kind of dipped down. So talk is quieted. Obviously, you had the conversation about Tennessee State in terms of them maybe moving out of the conference and people alluded. Does that mean they may wander and look at the swag? Obviously, with FAMU Bethune-Cookman over here, the matchup between Jackson State and Sheridan Herod Classic, you know, people seeing that come to the end. Maybe will not. If they make that move, that's kind of quieted down quite a bit. Obviously, you know, talk about Clark Atlanta University in terms of where they are academically. And Tuskegee necessarily doesn't have that same R2 status from an academic, but there is certainly a lot of prestige in terms of how people see Tuskegee. And so that's not outside of the realm of framework either. So I say all that to make sure people get a big picture of all the different components of this, and this is uh, the look in terms of me, in terms of them scratching the itch in the surface about expansion and how does that look. You know, obviously that's quite a far away, but uh, you never know. Obviously they would fit uh, the framework of HBCU uh, transitioning that. But what are your thoughts with all this put together? And obviously people are starting to put back in play Tennessee State to ski. Uh, in terms of becoming that 13, 14 school in the SWAT. Let me start with you, Mike. What are your thoughts that you hearing about or hearing that the athletic director, this is not fans or some 
streaming platform that puts out there. This is my preferred team. This is the athletic <clears throat> football coach that says, yes, we have plans to go Division One FCS. Puts a different spin on it, but what are your total thoughts? Yeah. So I heard that. I didn't hear all of the comments entirety. But <clears throat> a couple of questions that come to mind. When you, when you talk about going to Division One, do you have a long-term business, business model in the terms of athletic framework to go D1. It's, you know, everybody wants to go on the high, the, the big boy diving board until it's time to go up them stairs. Mm. There, there is still <laughs> that. Everybody wants to be off the big boy until it's time to go up there. So with, to become division one, <clears throat> there are certain things that attach to that from a packaging standpoint. Number one, you got to have facilities. You got to have, you know, so much in, in budget. You got to, you know, dem demonstrative attendance. There are things attached. I don't want to go into details for time's sake, but there are things that attach to qualify as a Division One team. Now, you can get it. You don't have to pay those fees, you know, because there are fees associated up front. You can roll those in. But long term, and I'm talking three to five years out, do you have the model to sustain that? Do you have the budget? Do you have the attendance? You know, so, and then the other thing is, what does that mean for the other sports? We, you know, we, we're speaking of this in terms of initially football, but what does that mean in terms of basketball or other spring sports? Are you going to bring them in as well? I think there are a lot of other questions you have to ask. So to say it, I hope there's a model in place. I hope there's a plan in place, but I scratch my head and say, do you have the framework in place long term? You know, some 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 programs have talked about it, you know, going to, you know, from, you know, CIAA maybe to the MEAC because of the matchups. And that sounds good on paper. But again, when you're going off the big boy diving board, there's things attached with that. So I, I wonder, you know, what the plan is long term. And do you have a stable enough package to do that and to support it strategically? I think those are great points, but it's always fast me that people outside of like the athletic office always got 50,000 points of like, man, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? You ain't ready. You can't do this. I'm like, yeah, they would have it. They would athletic director told you this. I hope, I hope that the athletic director is aware of this. And I'm not yeah, saying exactly. That so to your point, Mike, maybe he just flew out. Not to mouth, but coming to you, Charles, with that thought process, it was the AD. I'm right, you, right. What? I mean, first of all, can he make it happen? Can he make it happen? I, I, I mean, I credit uh, Coach Reverend for, for calling the shot. Like, this, this is what we're trying to do. So, you know, if I'm a Tuskegee alum, that, that kind of fired me up. I'm like, okay. And they've always been sort of an, an intriguing uh, school down there in terms of you, you talk about athletic history is second to none. Uh, when you talk about Tuskegee football, Cleve Abbott, you talk about track, Alice Coach. I mean, I mean it, it is a very intriguing piece uh, for Tuskegee to look at, you know, bumping up, quote unquote, to, you know, the uh, the, the, the bigger division, things of that nature. But, I, you know, I, I, you know, I had some Tuskegee people, you know, inbox me like, hey. We coming for y'all. This is this is what we wanted, you know. <laughs> and, and, and you know, 
Jackson has a huge Tuskegee presence, so they love rubbing it in my face. Yeah, y'all will, because I, I get it. But, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I was uh, pretty excited for him, and I, I'm glad, you know, he uh, framed it in the context of um, not, not only are we looking to move up to division, you know, one or move up a division, but uh, also why, why doesn't Alabama look at trying to play, you know, teams uh, within the state, you know, and that, that money can generate uh, within the state. So I credit him for that because it's one of those things you always, you know, ask the question, okay, well, if you know it's a moneymaker for your school to play teams within the state, especially HBCUs, why would you not do it? Why, why is Ole Miss, you know, playing Maine when Jackson yeah. State Alcorn are there, you know? So, uh, and the same thing with regards to, you know, your Auburn and Alabamas. Why why not, you know, uh, attempt to schedule, uh, you know, those uh, those FCS teams and you just keep that money within the state and everybody kind of feels good regardless of the outcome. Yeah. Now, this this great point by both of you all and on both sides of the issue, so I love that. But let me put you in the president's chances. <laughs> and then I don't want this long or not. Yeah. Yes or no, I want to answer. Um, Tuskegee comes knocking on the door. They've done everything they need to do. You know, Charles, are you letting them in? Now, we're not guaranteed Tennessee State. This is just, you know, 13, you know, our – do you say they can come in or do they have to come in with a 14th? You know, how you voting, Charles? If you sit down and I say, hey, I made you a president and chancellor, how you vote? Assuming that you've gotten basically all the information and it seems pretty solid, but on yeah. other things, because I have my yeah. framework and I always told you I'm more about markets and stuff like that. You have the Alabama market. So mm-hmm. I understand where Mike's talking about. There are some things that may be off the ledger, but I'm just saying you got all that stuff on the table. And it's solid. Their plan is solid in terms of what you see them doing, that they're serious about it. They committed the funds. You see that part of it. So that, that part is off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, do you cast the vote yes? I do cast a vote. I, I do cast a vote yes for Tuskegee. They're an intriguing chess piece. I've always been fond of their fan base uh, that in a lot of ways rivals Alabama State, rivals Alabama ADM in terms of their 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 fervency for their athletic team. So uh, you know that that they're an intriguing chess piece, and they're you know located within that that heartbeat of the swag, if you will. You got Alabama ADM to the north, you got Alabama State there, Montgomery, but you know they fit within that geographic piece of of, of teams that you you know. Wouldn't mind, you know, taking a trip to go watch it and play. So I, I kind of like Tuskegee there. I, I know Atlanta is the market to be in, but I, I do like Tuskegee as, as an athletic uh, uh, piece within, you know, whatever conference, MIAC or SWAT. <laughs> Mike, yes or no? You President Chancellor, how you voting, man? No. You let me in? No. Oh, man. I vote well, no. It takes. I, like, I love. I love. Now. I don't know. I understand you ain't got to explain. You know, Charles. He was nice. He explained. It. You, well, you, you can explain it if you want. You, you know. Now, I think you explained you already based on the question you had. So I, I wasn't going to make you explain it from that point. But I was going to say this: that it's twelve members. So according to the last bylaws update, you need seventy percent, which means you need nine of the twelve members. So uh, to ski fans out there, you got one. You need eight more. Uh, and you got one no, so uh, you got ten more votes that you need to get eight of them to get into the conference. Let me give a shout out to Freddie Roberts, brother Freddie Roberts. 
I saw him two weeks ago for the 56th anniversary, alpha anniversary, as we like to say, for the Ada Gamma chapter. He was out there with a lot of the younger brothers and uh, being a sage as he always is. So shout out to him. Shout out to brother Gerald Joseph over at Alpha Ada Lambda. He's Texas Southern University, big time uh, booster, alpha brother out there living uh, um, the way in terms of many of us would like to see in terms of the alpha light. Saw him out there, always treats me right, always giving big time love. He was at the ice cold spring fresh, crawfish ball, fish fry, uh, Bayou City events, center pavilion. It's gotten big. And they moved it over there, COVID opened it up. I'm not sure they're going to be able to move it back to the house over there. Uh, this went well with the uh, DJ, Zydeco band, a lot of foods, everything prepaid. So, it was, oh man, it was, it was nice. Mayor came through, Sylvester, brother Sylvester Turner, um, Congressman Green came through. So, you know, you got a lot of uh, alpha members out of that alpha eight alarm that's legendary in terms of the many brothers, uh, Harry, uh, uh, that um, helped facilitate during his presidency, the Martin Luther King statue. So you had a lot of them that were in the house out there. So I got a chance to do that, take Deuce out there. He loves to be among the brothers uh, doing his thing. And he loves crawfish, even though it's Ooh. hard to do. I just eat mm-hmm. fish because I got to peel all the crawfish for him. I'm not, he's got to learn to peel crawfish. I can't eat crawfish because I got to peel all of them. <laughs> that, it don't work. It ain't right. But I wanted to end on that now. Shout out. Let's get into our second half of the show. Break. We'll come back, talk about how the West and East were won. And get a little bit into these matchups in terms of the SWAC tournament. Last HBCU sporting event from a conference perspective of the season, obviously you have the regional from the NCA. That's more individuals than it is conference-wise. So this is a lost conference event before we close out the year uh, and you get, obviously, all sports awardees. So we'll keep doing it. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Getting into the fifth inning. It's starting to look interesting. Uh, Charles, you got a man on third. What you going to do, coach? What you going to do, coach? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm playing small ball. We put him in. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Stick with me right back after this break. We'll get to see some of those second and third guesses and Birmingham at the SWAC baseball tournament. It's always fun, but it just taking up a level because the eight teams in this tournament are solid. I can really say anyone can win it. Certainly the top three teams in each division. Uh, it's going to be fascinating, some matchups as we get into it. We'll talk a little bit more on the other side. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. 
Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. That spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure, it's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry, I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. Are you Press the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team If they wanna love laugh And who the ball, who the ball So listen to Professor Yes sir, and pay attention Cause he gon' teach us Shout out to Brother Wendell Davis Man, all the Alpha Eta Gamma uh, Alphas out here And Eta Gamma Brothers Showing me much love today I like it, man It's showing, showing, showing us some love I see it in deep As they say um, as we get in here, Stephen Gaither from HBCU Game Day is joining us, uh, providing us as you do. Akari Arnold, Michael Road Dog Reed, Devon Nicholson, all jumping in here and checking us out. Appreciate you, appreciate you. Let's get into it. Alabama State gets it done. First year of the Spanish Conference. I think this is a statement. I don't think we always give the appropriate love for winning divisions. And I hope yeah. we see that, you know, we talked about the breakdown, uh, the NBA, and the homage that they played to the divisions in terms of how they named it after some HBCU um, die. And you see that, obviously, uh, you talked about championship awards for each conference uh, with the legendary um, framework of how they did that in terms of those battles that went down between Magic Johnson, Larry Bird of the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, and Boston Celtics. So I really wanted to talk a little bit about the divisional titles before we get really into some of these matchups. You had Alabama State that has come into a much stronger Eastern division, and it played out that way. They had to play it all the way through. You had three different leaders at the top of the divisions at different times this year in the Eastern division, which to me says something. I've seen in the past where you might have had two but after like the third week, you pretty much had a team that's going to be solid. Um, you might have had some big matchups between one and two that uh, closed up the race. But uh, you literally had three teams that sat at the top of the division at one time or another this year. And everybody was right in their mix uh, going it down to the last matchup. And even with them winning two where they clinched the division, they lost the third game to Alabama A&M. The rivalry matchup that didn't sit down. and close out for their seniors in the right way. I thought that was big when you looked at that 
obviously mm. that's serious between yep. Thorne Cookman and FAMU. Uh, but Thorne Cookman took the first two that set them up in good fashion. But FAMU got the last one. And ultimately, we'll talk about how big that was, the fact they got the last one, or it looks like it, because they end up getting the second seed over Bethune-Cookman because they had the same right record. But over the year, they finished four and two against Bethune-Cookman in terms of getting that tiebreaker is my understanding of how they played out. So that was big in terms of the Eastern Division. And obviously, Jackson State, with some of the injuries, uh, both pitching, hitting, they fought their way through the season. They were at the bottom of the conference going into that Mississippi Valley series where you were questioning about, you know, how mighty have the, you know, how much falling of the mighty may have fallen, I should say, in regards to what they did last year, giving them full credit for that, came back, but they fought their way and was solidly in that fourth seed to make sure they did it um, and made a statement in terms of what they did against Valley in the classic down there um, to close out the season. So let's start right there with the East. We'll come back and give some updates on the West because it was just as interesting, if not more. But what are your thoughts in terms of Alabama State clinching the divisional title? Uh, Let's kind of stick right there before we again get into the tournament. But what were your thoughts in terms of what they did over the long haul of the season for Mm -hmm. Alabama State? Let me stick right there with you, Charles, in terms of what you thought about the Hornets getting it done this year. You take your hat off to the Hornets when you talk about Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman coming into the conference, uh, coming into the SWAC East, and for Alabama State to, to kind of continue uh, this good baseball that they've been playing over the past, uh, gosh, 10, 15 years or so, uh, you know, that's it, a huge statement. I mean, uh, both of these programs, Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M, are formidable programs. Jackson State, uh, definitely one of the better programs uh, in the swag. But for Alabama uh, State to continue to play good, solid uh, baseball, fourth in the in the in the in the in the conference in, in batting, uh, right up there uh, in terms of uh, pitching, um, number one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or number two, I should say. Uh, right up there at the top three. I always take a look at fielding percentage because I think that's huge going into the tournament is how our team's playing defensively. Uh, so they're just a solid, good baseball program. You take your hats off to them uh, for everything that they accomplished, especially with the two newcomers, formidable baseball programs coming into the conference. To you, Mike, let me get your thoughts on Alabama State. I want to say this. Remember, Stan, you took swept Alabama State and took over the first place. It was the following week where FAMU went to Jackson to give you some updates that we talked about Jackson sitting in the fourth seat that unseated them, and then Alabama State proceeded to do what they had to do the rest of the season. But just give you some indication of just how overall the total season was, because it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at FAMU uh, and talking about how hot they were. So what are your thoughts in terms of the Hornets about them being able to grab hold of that Eastern division like they did and settle out at the top at the end of the season uh, over 12 weeks of solid, 10 weeks, excuse me, of solid baseball? Not surprised, but with a question mark. In previous years, you know, Alabama State has been the tops. They've had the top pitching squad. They've led the league in ERA. And I went back in a couple of years, and uh, CB was right. They're number two in the league in team ERA, earned run average, 5.21. In years past, they've had three, three, five, four, two, lower ERAs. 
They've been able to do it with the higher ERA. And you ask, how have they been able to do it? Well, with fielding percentage, they're efficient in the field at getting those crucial outs, as CB alluded to. So kudos to them because they bring in some heavy batters in FAMU and Bethune, who are in the top five in batting average. So, uh, you know, kudos to Alabama State for being able to adjust to the newcomers to the east. Uh, the question I have is you have Jackson State and FAM. You know, FAMU was a heavy hitter going toward the end of the season until they went up against a heavy hitting Jackson State. So my question is, the, the question mark I brought up at the beginning of the statement is, how will they fare going into the, 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 the conference tournament with those heavy hitters, because you've got some teams that are going in that are hitting really well. But hats off to Alabama State for being able to adjust. You know, you got new teams in. They've still been able to do it. They haven't had the pitching depth, to me, at least looking in and looking at the data and looking at a couple of games they did, that they've had in the past. So they go in as a number one seed. But, you know, how will they fare when you have teams that are coming in that are red hot? Great points, points made. Let's slide over here, and we'll get in a little bit of those matchups that you alluded to, uh, Mike, because they're going to be fascinated for this tournament as you kind of set that up. But let's give some kudos to Southern. This is a Southern team that won the division for the third year. But Man. this Southern team, people forget, this is a Southern team that looked dead and out. Coming out of the end of the first half of the season, they went to Prairie View and was swept. People forget how – Long the season was at the midway point, they were swept and were looking down third and fourth. And people trying to figure out, you know, what is wrong with the southern team? They fought back and they closed extremely strong, um, in terms of what their schedule was and were able to find themselves at the top uh, and had to do it in fine fashion as they just eked out by one, uh, less lost than everybody else. Let you know that this was a close right. And that trip to Grambling, where they took two out of three, was huge. Same in terms of what got done as they closed out the season. Obviously had Alcorn was struggling, but they did what they were supposed to do and swept them to make sure that they could hold on to that. So what are your thoughts before we get into this last break and break down the tournament? Uh, sticking with you first, Mike, what are your thoughts on Southern in terms of what they were able to do to crown themselves the third time for this division and obviously, which is a much deeper West division uh, with four teams that had held the number one spot. Four different teams in the West over this period of time held the number one spot. It was fascinating to watch this race. If you didn't watch baseball all the way through, you missed something special this year. Mike, go I got Mike. questions. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike and then go <clears> to <throat> some of your questions. Go ahead, Mike. So, so the, the question is, yes, Southern did finish strong. They did. And their bats are red hot. Now, they're not, if you look at, 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 at the overall team batting average, they're not even in the top five, but they finished the season strong. If you look at the last 10 games, statistically, they are the top three in the last 10 games. They finished strong. The question I have is pitching staff. Can their pitching depth last the playoffs? Because we've seen, I think you alluded, you both alluded to, there's parity, especially in this West team, but there's parity in this league. Any team can beat a, a, a team on a given day. So the team I would really say watch out for is Texas Southern. 
Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And they were certainly hot uh, in their rivalry game. They took the two and put themselves right in positions to maybe be, uh, if not first, depending on what happened at Southern game. We know that now and could have pushed all the way up to second, but they ended up being a fourth seed. So yeah. before we get into the tournament, because I do want to get into matches, but I want to save it. I know y'all pitching a bit to get into these matches. But before I do that, I know you had some statements and questions you want to talk about Southern about them getting it done. Tell us a little bit, Charles. Well, I, I'm trying to figure out how did they get it done. I, I might <laughs> exactly. have that question. I mean, I literally have – they are not in the top five in terms of hit. They're not in the top five in terms of pitching. They're not in the top five in terms of fielding percentage. They don't, really, they don't, they don't really have a hoss. No, you know, statistic, no statistical category. Right. They, you know, Joseph Patagula is, uh, I think his ERA is 3.86, but they don't really have that, that hall. But somehow, 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 they got the sweat west or one again. I take my hat off to the fighting Kados because, I mean, they just, they get it done year in, year out. I know I'm going to put myself squarely in the crosshairs of every Jackson State fan, but it's something about this swag baseball tournament. It's something about the last. 10 games of the season, the Jags turn it on. I, I don't know yeah. what happens, where it happens, but they play with this air of confidence that they play with this air of the, this arrogance, if you will. Yeah. They somehow are going to make plays, especially in this swag baseball tournament. So you got to fight that when you're playing against Southern going into the swag baseball tournament. Oh, I love the points that you make. I love the points you make. And I'm sure if you're Southern fan out there, they say it's the S on the chest. Yeah, they probably like to presume over there on the bluff. And like you said, credit to them in terms of what they're able to get done. Uh, that was big time. If you Houston Rocket fans, or at least in this Houston area as we are, we've heard it before. You know, never underestimate the heart, of, the a heart of a champion. That's the best way to put it for me in terms of what they're able to do it under multiple coaches. Uh, so that's even more fascinating when you look at it. Stick with us. We'll be right back after the last break, and we'll get into the tournament a little bit. As things kick off tomorrow, obviously, uh, as some of these matchups, and we'll talk about those matchups. Stick with us. We're in that seventh inning stretch. Come back with us, and we're going to break down some of these first day actions to see what your thoughts on, and then get an early indication of who they think will ultimately come out of each division. Stick with us. We'll be right back after our last break with Professor Bishop and Professor Washington. This is the Dean. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, 
and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Press the analytic data with your hip hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team If they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes sir, yes And pay attention This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab With Mike Washington, Charles Bishop Coming out of the 7 inch wrist We're in the ninth inning And it's getting good, man <laughs> Coming down to the stretch Gotta run on first and second It's just one out it's getting tight, man. We're going to see. You're going to have some decisions to make. Just like we're going to have some decisions for these guys to make, I'm going to add the lab listeners. Who's coming out of the brackets? And then oh. I don't know who you're going to crown. I'm going to ask y'all last, but I'm going to ask the lab listeners. Put it in there so we can kind of get a hint to see where you're going. Bracket A has the 2-3 matchup with FAMU, Prairie View, 1-4 versus Southern and Jackson State. That's bracket A. Who's coming out of bracket A? Bracket B features number two, Grambling State versus number three, Bethune-Cookman. Number one, Alabama State versus number four, Texas Southern. And I'll get the East to West uh, matchups as we get into each game in terms of game day. But before I lab listeners again, I want y'all to tell me who's coming out of bracket A, who's coming out of bracket B. Again, in bracket A is FAMU, Prairie View, Southern, and Jackson State. Bracket B features Grambling State, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama State, and Texas Southern. Ooh, man, I love the depth of this baseball tournament. If you can't get sided with that, that's on you. I ain't got nothing to say with you. But back to you all. Starting with you, Charles, since I left off with you, I want to know. Game one features the East number two, FAMU, versus the West number three, Prairie View. That's a 9 o'clock game, so they got to get up early. I seen them on Twitter talking about they busting up. Fam, you got in there on Monday. Prayer of you left uh, today. So it's going to be fascinating as they get prepared and settle down in Birmingham for that first matchup. And then you got game two, which is West number two, Grambling State, against East number three, Bethune-Cookman. Let's set it up. Let's go with those two matchups first. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of those matchups? Uh, the question for me is how does each manager uh, set up or how does uh, each head coach set up their rotation? Uh, you got the potential for uh, with Hunter Beats uh, going against Robert Maldonado uh, in terms of FAMU and, and, and Prairie View. They're the number two and three uh, pitchers in the swag in terms of earned run average. That game sets up uh, as a really, really good game. 
or 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 the question, and it's always a a, a cat and mouse sort of deal. Do you do you let that ace go in the in the second game when you when you when you have to have you know? So the so that's that's going to be a really intriguing matchup in terms of a family and Prairie View. I had an opportunity to call a game to a Texas Southern Prairie View this past weekend. Uh, when Prairie View hits the ball, they're a scary team to deal with. So. Uh, the, you know, you might want to go with the ace versus this team that can that can really pop a baseball. Good points. Same question to you, Mike. Game one and two, nine o'clock, then 12 noon on Wednesday. All these games are featured on the SWAC Digital Network so you can catch them up. I'm really fascinated. FAMU finds a way in the tournaments, on the men's side at least, to run into their other uh, ag institution in basketball. It was Alabama A&M. Now in baseball, it's Prairie View A&M. Going to you, Mike, what are your thoughts about this family Prairie View and Grambling Bethune-Cookman? What are your thoughts? So I, I wonder with the Prairie View game, do they bring out, as CBU, do they bring out Maldonado or they bring out Fox? How do they set it up? And then, because you've got two of the top pitchers in the top ten. And then, you know, for FAMU, who do, who do they bring out? Do they bring out Vince? This is game one. Do you bring out your aces in that game? And then the second piece to me, which is more important is, is Johnson going to really hit the ball like he's doing? He's leading, mm. hitting. Is he going to hit? Is he going to be that beast monster that we've seen, you know, throughout the season? And then, you know, you got a couple others, you know, with Prairie View, but are their bats going to be cracking like we've seen in the before? Prairie View has two, a couple of aces, but can they sustain that, you know, with the pitching as well in game one? So uh, that's. Yeah. That's going to be key. Great point, Mike. Great points as you talk about that. And for folks that have followed baseball in the swag for a while, really understand this. You've seen people seek that number one seed because they would come and play the four seed in the opposite division. And if we understand over the years, the fourth seed was fighting to get in the tournament with the fifth seed. And the teams weren't very um, that very solid. Let's just call it what it is. For example, this year you were talking about Valley uh, in terms of where they were, and then the other team would be Alcorn, which is at the bottom in terms of this year in terms of the West Division. Now, those teams will fight back. They're looking like they're rebuilding their program, so I think they have a way to go. But just to give you some understanding, when you start talking about that one versus four matchup, oftentimes you've seen coaches from the SWAT, they would spend – the second pitcher, and oftentimes you even seen them coming in with the third. In some exactly. cases, I've seen them coming in yeah. with the Wednesday uh, fourth rotation player because they thought they could get out of that game with the fourth seed because they thought the differential was just that big in terms of teams that we're seeing now didn't even make the tournament based on where they were in the record. So it's going to be fascinating when we talk about that. So I'm sticking with you, Mike, um, and I know Charles – Loves this first-round matchup for various reasons. Uh, game three is number one in the West, Southern versus number four in the East, Jackson State. Based on what happened last year, based on what we know everything about this rival, you can throw those seeds out. And we already told you it was close anyway. Yeah, This is crazy for a first-round <laughs> three o'clock matchup, man. If you don't love to swag baseball and don't have your eyes uh, on – uh, the SWAC Digital Network, if you're not in Birmingham, I don't have nothing to say about it. That's your fault. You're missing out. That's on you. <laughs> then you have the four matchup, which is Alabama State, the number one seed against number four, Texas Southern. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about some classic matchups in terms of just 
solid coaches that have been in a battle. Michael Robinson always has his team playing well. Uh, Omar is no slouch in his own right in the tournament. I don't care what is going on. And you know he's going to have some hunger for those players for what happened to him last year. Mike, before I get to you, Charles, so you can wrap it up in a lot of ways. Mike, what are your thoughts on game three and four? I mean, it starts off high <laughs> in the morning, but my goodness, the afternoon section, if they can't make no money off that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> i tell you what. Let me start the backwards. That 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 Alabama State versus Texas Southern. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna that may be a potential upset. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I here's why. I say, here's why I say that. You got the number one hitting hitting team coming into the to the conference. You've got mm. State, who is not the traditional pitching powerhouse that we've seen them. Yes, they they did get the number one seed. But I think Texas Southern is coming in here red hot. And, man, if what, you know, is it Tyler Claiborne? That kid is bad, all right. Uh, Gaines from uh, Texas Southern. Was it Jonathan Charlie? Gaines? I mean, yeah. Gaines? Yeah. yeah. If those cats get – if those bats get cracking like they have been the last 10 games for Texas Southern, yeah, depending on who Alabama State puts on the mound, it may be a long day. One versus four does not tell me anything. Texas Southern is a hot team coming in. It will be a tough match, guaranteed. And then, then now you're talking about the Southern game. That you can throw everything out the window. That is <laughs> a that's a grudge match. That is, I'm serious. I don't even. I don't care what batting average, whatever. That's a grudge match. Seriously. I don't know who's going to win that one. I really don't. I, yeah, that's I, fair. Let's, all let's my data points go out the window. Charles will give us some insight in just how much that matchup means to between those two institutions. And just fans of the SWAC, they understand what goes down when those two teams see each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Jackson State and Southern, I've said it before, I don't care if it's tiddlywinks. Uh, they, 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 they go at each yeah. other's throats. I mean – uh, that was a heartbreaker last year. I don't know if I'm still over from Southern being Jackson State in the tournament last year. Uh, but Because that was a, a tough one. Uh, Jackson State is going to come into this tournament with that chip on their shoulder yeah. from what happened to them last year. I might You you touched on it. Texas Southern, Alabama State. Let me tell you something. Watching Texas Southern, they are the most dangerous team to me. They've stolen 220 bases. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say that they stolen 220. They are the most aggressive team on the base pass. They are never not ready to run. I watched Michael Robinson this past weekend with a six-run lead still stealing bases. And yes. they, 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 they just stay on the attack. They put a lot of pressure on you from a defensive standpoint, which is why I come back and say this slack baseball tournament comes down to who is making fundamental plays, who is, who is making the, the, the easy out. Who is not throwing in behind runners? My huge pet peeve. Stop throwing yeah. in behind runners. That is going to be huge uh, for this tournament. And like I said, they are from a from an attack standpoint. Once they get on base, your catcher just better be ready. Your infielders need to be ready because they're going to have constant motion. They're going to have people in, uh, moving. They're going to be hitting some runs. They play a very aggressive style of baseball that I think uh, plays right into the hands of, of a, a baseball tournament. And they attack at the plate. Not only do they have the high batting average, they have the high slugging percentage. So you tack batting average, slugging percentage, and aggressive base running, 
That's an offensive juggernaut. I don't care where they're seated. You don't want to play that team if they're hot going into playoffs, that kind of team. I'm sorry. So I don't care if they're number four seed. It may be a long day for Alabama State if, if all wheels are turning. That being said, they keep their head when all about them are losing theirs. They're the best field team in the sweat. Exactly. Yes, yes, I see it. I might get an idea where you're going with this. Time is of the essence as we get ready to close, going over just a little bit. But who do you come out, Charles, coming out of the bracket A? FAMU versus Prairie View, Southern versus Jackson. Ultimately, it's going to mix all up. Who do you see coming out of bracket A? Uh, bracket A is going to be tough. I, I like the way Jackson State is playing baseball down the stretch. That that sweep over FAMU was huge to me. So, uh, to me, if, if Jackson State can get past uh, Southern, I, I think there's sort of a maybe a, a mental edge. Just like I said, the past you know few games, the past two weeks, I think are huge going into the tournament. Good point. So, you got Jackson coming out of bracket A. Bracket B is Grambling, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama State, and Texas Southern. Who do you got coming out of bracket B? I've talked up Texas Southern. I'll go with Texas Southern. So you got Jackson State, Texas Southern coming in the championship game. Go to you, Mike. Coming out of bracket B, let's stay down there. Grambling State, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama State, and Texas Southern. Who you got coming out of bracket B? I, I I like what I see with Texas Southern. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Texas Southern. Coming out of bracket A, you got FAMU, Prairie View, Southern, and Jackson State. With that being said, who you got coming out of bracket A? Oof, good lord. Um, I need <laughs> I need to drink some on that one. <laughs> um. I'm going to go with the winner of the Southern Jackson State, and I'm going to actually go Southern coming out. They That's have fair. whatever. That's, That's interesting. So we got That's a fair. Jackson State, Texas Southern. We got a Southern Texas Southern for a championship matchup. I'm going to hold on to it and tease it out a little bit. Let's get it played and see if your thoughts change on Thursday. We'll ask you, Grant, who's coming out of the bracket based on the first day of games. We'll get half of the games on Thursday before we come on. So that may change things up a little bit. We can get into what is going on with the matchup. Then I ask you who's going to play for the championship. So I'm not going to ask you now. I'm going to let the lab listeners do it. We'll come back. And you can answer it yourself and tell me after the fact, uh, in terms of who you have winning it, do you stick with that and how things change? That'll do it for us. Great information, guys. Glad you brought it for everybody in terms of what's going on in Swag Baseball. For those that don't know how serious the Swag takes baseball, I think you've been informed. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports. Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, again, we thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock. We'll be in here Thursday. I'll be on the road. Short flight, we'll try to get it to you, so stick with us. We'll find out what we're doing. We're working on to see if we can get Charles down there to give you some play-by-play. So stick with him. We'll give you CB. can make that work um, because if you heard what he did at Texas Southern for that Prairie View matchup, you'd see why we want to have him on the mic for this game. We'll see if we can make that work. If not, we certainly will give you much love on Thursday. Thank you for all the lab listeners for bringing it hot and heavy. Great show. You all brought the energy. 
with that, from follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 is Facebook. Inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube and Facebook. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. Follow us a lot. Conversation going over, a lot of updates. We'll give it to you. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles. Of course. Mike. Lectures. Dismissed.